This is a global original podcast. Hi and welcome to Confessions of a Modern Parent. The podcast where my husband Mark and I discuss the challenges, difficulties, frustrations and ultimately the joys of being parents and step-parents to four wonderful, talented, beautiful daughters aged between 25 and 12. And today's big subject is anxiety, which is very close to my heart because I'm literally feeling anxiety as I speak right now. You look like a man in anxiety. I feel anxious. I'm an an anxious wreck. No, what is it? Nervous wreck. A nervous wreck. Yeah, but, you know, it's a big thing, isn't it? They say that um, young people are more anxious than they ever were. And so it's really good. I think that we're going to go into the absolute detail of it with our kids. Well, they say there's an epidemic. Oh, my goodness. I tell you what, I tell you what, as I'm sitting here right now, before we get going, I've got that terrible feeling in my chest, like it's a... I use the analogy of a bird cage mm. with countless birds fluttering around inside it, and that's because I've got numerous things going on in my private life that I'm finding really stressful. Mm. Some of them, actually, revolving around being a parent uh, and my children, but some of it just a feeling. Well... I think I was thinking about this last night because I knew we were going to be talking about anxiety. And I did have a lot of anxiety actually as a child. I always say that I didn't, but actually I did when I was really, really thinking about it. I did. But my real anxiety kicked in after having children. Mm. And it's funny, I was talking to Stacey about this today and she's been watching this new series called Babies. And apparently there's this part of the brain right at the top swells. I can't remember the name of this part of the brain, but it swells. And it's this part of the brain that alerts us to danger. We go into protection mode. Now, this doesn't happen with all men, but it does with some men. Isn't that interesting? Men? Yeah. Even though they're not pregnant, their brains swell in this certain part part of the brain swells. Right. um, Which which is basically like an amber flashing light. Um, to, to basically, it's a primal thing to protect your baby. And apparently, with some women, that never shrinks back down. Maybe it's the same with some men. So just to clarify for our listeners, we're talking about anxiety. We are. We're talking about anxiety both within our children, our children's experience of anxiety, and we've had plenty of experience of that with all our girls, actually, all four of them. And the anxiety of being a parent and the anxiety of being a parent dealing with children with anxiety. Well, also, I don't think... I mean, I think that anxiety is... I I think it can be passed on genetically, so it's nature and nurture, I think, like well, anything else. Be, it can certainly it can, be passed on behaviourally. Yeah, it can just come through in your mm. essence, the essence of yourself, though, as mm. well. Um, it's something, that, again, that you don't spend... I don't spend too long chatting to other mums without it coming up. Nearly everybody I know talks about their, child, their children having anxiety at some point. Now... Is this again because children now have the words? They have the vocabulary. I don't remember what age I was when I heard the word anxiety and what it meant. Well, I, I'd go so far as to say I don't think the word anxiety was even applicable to children. Yeah. I think children were, you'd have shy children and you'd have yes. non shy, you'd have sort of. A worrier. Pushy. Yeah, you'd have, or as my nan would say, you've got a right show off. Or yeah. he's, a, he's a retiring violet, shine retiring violet, isn't it? And, and, and or a th- wallflower. Or a wallflower, exactly. But I think the idea of anxiety, you're right, is a totally tw- late 20th, early 21st century concept that we... I, it's funny you should say that, though. You say perhaps the kids have got the language. I disagree. I think the language is foisted on them by us lot, the parents. I think we potentially characterise a lot of what might be just normal stuff within these children. Or I don't even necessarily know if this is the case, but I'm positing it could be a possibility. That, you know, maybe a lot of what kids go through and what we go through as children, which is termed anxiety, Mm. is the normal stuff of being a kid. Fear, discovery, worry, a sense of belonging, not belonging. You know, all those elements of being young, if you you look at them all, they, they make most people feel anxious. But does it matter what it's called or what it was called or what it might or might not mean. Does it is that actually relevant? The thing is, I think as a parent, it's incredibly difficult mm. to watch your child in an anxious or wallflower or shy or mm. sensitive state. It's a very I think it's the thing that has been the hardest mm. for me. I don't know if it's been the same for you. For me, with the girls has been dealing with their anxiety. 
and maybe sometimes reading too much into it. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I think, I think you know, anxiety, it, you, know, you keep reading, every time you read the, the papers or you listen to the radio or you look, you look online, there's some news story about how there's an epidemic, it's always this language, isn't it, epidemic of anxiety amongst our children. And having had four girls and have four girls, I'd say that this epidemic, you know, whether, whether it's an epidemic or not, I think there are some very real pressures on young kids that would, under any normal circumstances, create a great degree of anxiety. Sometimes when we have these chats, it always helps for us to both go back and have a look at how we were as kids. And going back to your thing of perhaps children can learn their behaviour and catch their behaviour, if you like, from parents. I know for a fact that my, me, myself... The word anxiety wasn't even part of the vocabulary no. vocabulary used to describe me. And actually, as a kid, I was an incredibly bolshy, pushy, sweaty-headed, running captain of the football team up until about the age of 11 or 12, pushy kid. That doesn't mean I didn't... If When I look back now, I didn't have a real shrill sense of worry and fear and a sense of... Uh, what was your earliest memory of... Let's just call it anxiety, because that's what... What was your earliest memory Well, my first memory, memory was, anxious indu- it was anxiety-inducing, because it was a huge fight between my mother and biological father. So I was only about 18 months, two years old. So. And you remember? Yeah, and I remember that. I mean, that's, well, I always that's... thought that was just a story that you knew. No, 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 no. And I, I know, and I know I know it, because I remember describing the geography of the fight to my mother, and she said that was how it was. No one else could have known that. Um, and the memory fizzles out as my biological father, I don't know, picked me up and, and took me into another room. The memory fizzles at that point but you know there was a lot I mean we've talked about it many times before there was a lot of things within my setup as a child a lot of uh, you know very unreliable volatile unpredictable things going on which to any you know anyone would be make make you feel anxious it's not surprising that I had a degree of anxiety but at the time I didn't sit there thinking I'm an anxious child you know what I mean I mean none of us do looking back at me as a child I can see that and looking at my life now as a grown parent where I feel and experience anxiety in my day-to-day life, I can see directly where our girls have inherited or emulated the same behaviour. Mm. I mean, so, you know, I, so whilst I undoubtedly probably was an anxious child, again, I didn't have a sense of it when I was there. Whereas I think the difference now is, is like with our girls, they know that they're experiencing this thing. Yes. You know what I mean? And I think that's a major different better? thing. I don't know. It's what, weird, isn't it? What were you like as a kid? You say you, you say you, I mean, you, you often sort of say, I, I'm this presenter and sort of outgoing and show offy sort of person. But you often say that deep within you're a, you're a gibbering wreck of anxiety too. Is that true? Well, no, not a gibbering wreck, but I, I can, I can, I mean, I came from a very, what's the way to describe, demanding in a way family because everybody was the centre of attention. Mm. So, it's no surprise that I'm a TV presenter. It's no surprise that I do what I do because everyone was fighting to be heard. Now, a lot of that was fantastic. You know, every weekend there'd be huge parties at my parents' house and, you know, great, colourful characters. Not particularly boozy because half of the people that were there were my Arab side of the family. So it wasn't like a a big boozy sort Mm. of partying atmosphere I grew in, which was much more your childhood, wasn't it? It was just a very big family vibe all the time and there was a sense of competition Mm. that I felt and I was very quickly given the label because my eldest sister Dina was very very shy Mm. um, and she was very very she didn't she didn't work well within that family dynamic and we we had a lot of banter you know, there was a lot of banter that went on and I was very quick back with it. She wasn't, mm. she would get upset. So I spent my whole time looking after her and everyone always, my label, if you want, because everyone's always given a label, aren't they, when they're a kid? My label was, oh, Nadja looks after everybody, Nadja's fine, Nadja's the one that's never upset, Nadja's always laughing, Nadja's funny, Nadja's this, Nadja's that. So I was put into that role mm. of always being fine. And so that's where it comes in me being a rescuer, mm. which is what I am a part of what I am, is because it was given to me at a very young age. So I would look after my sister's anxiety. And as we know, if you're a rescuing person, if you're looking after somebody else's pain 
anxiety, depression, anguish, you're not kind of looking after your own. It's compartmentalised. Mm. It's a kind of, it's a way of anaesthetising whatever's but it's going on. Yeah, you. it's the rescuer's way of covering yeah. up their own anxiety. Yeah, yeah. And because, and so it used to make me feel very good looking after my sister and saying, don't worry, hold my hand, I've got you, made me feel very strong and very brave. So I was strong, I was brave, I was funny, I was all of these things. And my sister was kind of, in a lot of ways, by the extended family, was kind of dismissed because she was shy. Mm. And I actually grew up always feeling sorry for shy people and thinking shy was probably the worst thing that could ever happen to you was to be shy, to be quiet, to be all this. My God, have I changed my mind on that. My God. I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. It's, they are the most, it is the most undervalued um, quality because it's a quality mm to be shy, to be called sensitive is, has become a derogatory term. Mm. And it's like, I, if somebody says to me, oh, someone says I'm sensitive, I say, say, that's great. I feel things a lot. And we have a very, very shy child. Mm. One of our children is very, very shy. Well, I would well go, both of our children are well, very shy. Well, and I would shy. go so far as to say that one of my oldest girls is also quite shy and yeah. has had to overcompensate. And I think that's interesting what you just said then about being sensitive and shyness and how does that feed into this idea of anxiety? Because I think... You know, those qualities, shyness, sensitivity, being slightly, you know, quiet, just being quiet and a listener and and observing. But those people, there's an inordinate amount of stress put on those people to not be that. And I think it's really interesting. And that causes anxiety. Yeah, and that's my point. And I think one one of the other interesting components to this chat about anxiety and being parents of children with anxiety and all that is being, you know, potentially us being brutally honest with ourselves about the way in which not we conduct ourselves even as parents, but the way we conduct ourselves as humans contributes mm. to the levels and layers of anxiety. And what I mean by this, for example, and it's no surprise that we record these uh, these chats, is that we can both talk for England all the effing time about absolutely effing everything. We can do it constantly. I recognise that I can sometimes be worse than you even. And so that constant noise, that constant noise and that constant, you know, flow of stuff to a child, say Kiki, exhausting. it's not only exhausting, but it will jangle her nerves. And I think if I get really, and I think this is about, these chats are about getting muckily honest with ourselves in order to help other people. I think as parents, we have to really look ourselves in the mirror and go, hang on a minute, where am I culpable? Not in a malicious way, not in a horrible way, but where am I, what is my part in, in creating an atmosphere of stress and an atmosphere of sort of, you know, crystal glass that could crash at any point for this child to try and be safe within. And I think our household is one of those households where on the one hand we're incredibly compassionate and want to help and want to do everything that's possible but in a weird way, and both the girls say this often to us, we try a bit too hard and potentially in the trying we create the very problem that we want Mm. to help. But I think very specifically because I think you know, listener you you might connect with this With Kiki, say, for instance, our youngest, she was a summer baby, Mm. okay? So she was a year younger than anybody else in her her class. Mm. And our instinct was 100% that that child was not ready for school. She was a baby. She looked like a baby. Yeah. She was too young. She was still hiding behind my apron strings. She would look at you from, look at anyone from behind my legs. And I remember being really worried, oh my God, this child is shy, what am I going to do? Obviously, I've changed my mind on all of that Mm. now. Um, And I wish to God I had gone running in the opposite direction rather than putting her into school. She wasn't ready for school. Um, When she went to school, and I think you're right, I think our household is, yes, a very loud... Um, loving home, but also there is not a lot of space because we've had this... We've Our relationship is an ongoing conversation. Mm. We never stop talking. We just no. literally, the two of us, never stop talking. No. And I, sometimes I think there hasn't been enough space for our children to actually say what we say. And you're a writer and I'm an actress and I'm a presenter and I think we put words in their mouth all the time. Yeah. And I think because we're so open to all kinds of um, mental illnesses, issues, we're too quick to suggest and Mm. to think. So I think there's all of that. But I really did see a very, very clear thing happen with Kiki. And Kiki's anxiety started properly 
at school and she was on the left foot instead of the right foot. And then the trouble is, and I think a lot of people, this is the same, is very, very difficult once your child, even if it, even if your child's only come into feeling anxious in their teens, it's very, very difficult to get them back on the other foot yeah. once they're on that foot because the whole thing feeds and exacerbates and feeds and exacerbates. Everything can come crashing. Makiki can have a great day and then she can have such a tough mm. day because mm. she just gets overwhelmed with with the demands of the modern world like we do as adults. Well, I mean, again, I'm pleased you mentioned school because, yeah, I, I, sort of, I sort of threw our family life and her home under the bus in a sense there. I mean, there are so many constituent elements to, yeah. the, to the anxiety tag. And I think you can't fail but ignore the fact that schooling, with its incredibly regimented ways and its incredibly structured approach, which works for a great many people, but... How many people does it actually work for? And how many people are, it, it simply, it's what has to work, therefore it has to work. And I think, you know, I think, you know, this this obsession with testing and grades and all that. Too much. Part of it was the reason, part of it, not all of it, part of it was the reason we, we decided that homeschooling was best for our girls. But equally, I do think that it's a system predicated on creating stress. Well, oh, I mean, we know system. we know a number of people that work in different schools, state schools and private schools. And there are, <laughs> I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day, a very famous private school, where they have four full-time counsellors. Mm. Now, people might say, oh, that's the snowflake generation. They can't cope. I don't think it is. No, I, I think don't. kids are tested and tested yeah. and tested. I think that I think it's shocking so much of the way that schools are run is shocking. Another very good friend of ours, where her son and her pre and her, and her first son and now her second son is in the school that she had no other choice to go to, a state school. And it has been shocking the way that they are treated, the pastoral care is zero, mm. the bullying that is neglected and ignored, um, their grades have just fallen through the floor. Mm. You know, and she was saying to me, I was just chatting, her on the, chatting to her on the phone actually on the way, and she was saying, oh my God, he's just got so moody, he won't get out of bed, he won't do this and I went there. I said, but think about the level of stress mm. that he is under every day. And I just don't agree with people that say, Children don't get stressed. No, I agree. They just need to pull themselves together. Mm. How are they going to be able to cope in life if they can't deal with the stress at school? Well, you know, we'll talk about stress at work for adults. Yeah. Why yeah. can't we talk about stress at school for kids? Absolutely. And if you're going in every day and you haven't really made those connections, you've got a teacher that really hates you. I remember having a year where a teacher hated me. My life was absolutely blooming misery. Yeah. It's a dread going in. Absolutely. Couldn't sleep at night because I knew this teacher hated me. I mean, why we can accept that with the boss at work, but somehow we can't translate that with kids. But I do think there's just enormous pressure. I mean, Maddie will always say to us, oh, you put too much score on um, social media and this and that. Sorry, we don't. There is an awful a lot of added pressure through social media, added pressure with body image. I mean, body image causes huge anxiety in teens, mm. boys and girls. I mean, we've done a, a conversation on that, haven't we? Um, and I think I think sometimes with our girls, I look at them and I just know there are 10,000 thoughts going on in their head that they just can't cope with. But as you've just run through, you've just run through a catalogue of, of topics of which we've probably had entire conversations and recorded sessions all about, all about them. Um, every single thing that a teenager goes through causes anxiety. Body mm. image relationships, mm. friendship circles, drink, sex, drink, drugs. sex, drugs, parenting, <laughs> your parents, your home life. You know, so this idea of anxiety, I mean, I think, I think our experience, though, has been very acute when it comes to Kiki. I mean, one of the topics that I'd like to talk about is social anxiety and social anxiety as, a, as, a, as an issue because I've suffered from that. Less so as a child. I've suffered from it increasingly so as I've got older and increasingly so as I've got more sober. And I felt a huge burden of responsibility, if I'm honest, that my inclination my inclination to stay sort of in, isolated, if you like, somewhat isolated, um, has rubbed off on Kiki. And perhaps she's seen from that that, you know, it's okay to not, in a sense, face up to everything. And yet at the same time... What are we to say that if she feels nervous about something, we should force her in? Do you know what I mean? So I think social anxiety is something we've had a lot of experience of. I find it really difficult to know what the right boundaries are with that. Like, I don't want to drag my child screaming, shouting and crying in something. But I, I mean, it keeps me up at night, this. 
are they going to a few years down the line say, Mum, I wish you had forced me to do that, that thing that I was scared of and I couldn't take the leap? What would say, here we are now, after taking Kiki out of school with her anxiety and everything, she's now decided to go back to school next year. She's come to that herself. She's found the bravery to make that decision. And so maybe, maybe we're going to get away with it. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you an interesting take on this is Izzy, my eldest. I remember her saying a couple of years ago, two or three years ago, she said, it's really weird for me, Dad. I look at Kiki and when I see... And she's known Kiki struggles with anxiety and what have you. And she said to me, she said, it's really hard, you know. She said, because what I see in Kiki is the same anxious child that I was when I was a toddler and, and growing up and a tween. And she said... It's amazing how just in those, what is it, 15 years, it was 15, she's 27 now this year, she said in those, in those 15, 13, 14 years, there was no language, there was it no capacity, recognized. there was no capacity for no. her to reach out to me or her mum, yeah. or you as a stepmom, to even kind of engage with this because there was no, and in a weird way you start to, it goes back to this idea at the beginning of this chat that you said, you know, have we given them the language? Was I an anxious child? Well, the language wasn't there. But you still had the I anxiety. Still, uh, but I can look back and say Just because they was. couldn't say it yeah, 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 doesn't absolutely. mean they weren't So does suffering. it matter getting hung up on these, these terms or phrases? I don't think it does. Maddie often says, doesn't she, you know, the thing is, she said, Mum, she says, Mum, we're constantly told how there's no future, the planet is cracking up. Mm. Coronavirus. Coronavirus. We have constant rolling news. Everything is made into a massive drama. Mm. They grow up with two very overdramatic parents. I think I think we've shared far too much in front of our children, far far too much. And I think that I think that's played mm. in, into their anxiety. I think uh, it's a very competitive world. I think um, I think it is bleeding into boys as much as it is to girls now. The whole. The whole, you know, looks. Everybody wants to be rich. Everybody wants to be famous. Everybody wants to be perfectly beautiful. Everybody wants not everybody. Yeah, huge sections of society yeah. want want cosmetic surgery and looking for perfection. And so, when I think about the anxiety I had as a child, and you, the anxiety you had as a child, and then you add all of what they've got going on now. I mean, we used to be. What was it we used to be anxious about? Really, in world, like we we never thought about the planet. We, we thought about popularity we thought about is the boy going to be on the corner of the street that i like so i can walk oh, past yeah. him chewing gum and looking cool am i going to be invited to this yeah thing or that? we weren't thinking like they they really believe they've got another 10 20 years of the planet yeah, absolutely um i do think there's a yeah and i think you're right i think there's a reluctance in between generations to recognize that things are different for different generations are, yeah and I think you can keep going on, well, you know, in my day, da, da, da. but actually, no, there are some very different things. We are in the middle of a tech revolution, whether we like it or not. You know, 15 years ago was the birth of YouTube. I found it bizarre to, to find out mm-hmm. the other day. And iPhones have only been around, I think, for only 12 years. And yet we feel like they've been there forever. Well, and on that point, teens are sleeping the worst than they've ever slept. Well, sleep Now, it's really thing. interesting, listener, because... Um, we go as a family regularly to a homeopath. So that means every month, every six weeks, we have a homeopathic appointment, okay? And in that, she records everything. We're, we're, we talk for an hour with her and she records our sleeping, our eating, what's going on, da-da-da. Even our pooing. Everything. So Maddie, in Maddie, Maddie's narrative now of her sleeping is, I've never slept. I've right. never been a good sleeper. I never sleep and I never slept. So I got our homeopath to look back over the notes because she's been treating us since the day she was born. Guess when her sleeping changed? When the iPhone came in. The year she got a phone. Oh, there you go. And that is all recorded in hand. Oh, wow. So I do really do think that a big thing of what's going on with young people and anxiety is the terrible lack of sleep. Yeah, sleep deprivation. It's sleep deprivation. Right. We all know what we're like. When we don't sleep enough, you're you're the And that's where you are a bad... Well... You are a bad example. I'm a bad example. You and are also, a very bad example. But also, I, I mean, a major component of my anxiety is too much caffeine. And but not I, enough sleep. No, no, but also I've heard... a many times Maddie and Kiki even and Izzy and Fleur talk about friends of theirs who aren't over drinking alcohol they're over drinking these energy drinks massive amounts of and all that stuff listener if your kids are drinking that or they're drinking lots of these and computer computer games too I think and and their bodies aren't made to Mm. take that caffeine Mm. 
And I think that um, that their anxiety, I think a lot of kids' anxiety is tied into terrible lack of sleep. And, you know... And isn't the fact that, isn't that, that part of being a teenager, though? Yeah, it is, but it is so much worse because of this white light, you know, this blue yeah. light that's going on. Also, I was talking to somebody yesterday about Wi-Fi affects all of our sleep. Now, I don't want to go into too much detail about that, but I, because honestly, this I am constantly trying to work on my kids' sleep yeah. because I, I see the massive difference in their anxiety and their low mood on the days that they've had a good night's sleep. I just had a really strange We have gone so old-fashioned in our house now. I'm now giving Kiki hot milk before she goes to bed. Mm. She's using... She's rubbing magnesium on her feet an hour before she has to go to bed. Yeah, because it goes better into your body, magnesium. (laughs) Right, an hour before she goes to bed, she's either... She has to either read or draw or do something not yeah, on Yeah, nothing screen. on her phone. Well, I, I, you see, I agree with all of no, that. No, but listen to this. So in the last three days, I've been putting my watch on her on her arm and she's gone up to nine, ten hours sleep. Mm. She's been a different child. Yeah, she has actually. She's been far cheerier. But the problem is, if you're dealing with an anxious child that isn't eating properly because they feel anxious, isn't sleeping properly because they feel anxious, it just it's just it's this vicious circle. Cycle. And then as a parent, we get more anxious, which bleeds back at them. And then it just, the whole thing is a bloody mess. But then... I, I think a, it'd be good for us soon, actually, to hear from Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I had, a, I had a brief moment just then where I felt like we sounded like complete wankers. I don't oh. know why. I just thought, oh, my God, we sound like such tarquins. <laughs> don't listen. Don't no, st- honestly, I just wanted to unpeel just a little bit of what we're talking about. I suppose for some people, though, one of the major problems with anxious children is if an anxious child, and, you know, going back to what I didn't really talk about, was I was in a house where there was a lot of shouting. Mm. Shouting happens in most households well, at some point. Yeah. Hang on. And, yeah. you know, when we've had just, you know, there have been times in our lives where we had very, really, really bad rows, and I sometimes look back to those moments where raised voices might have frightened the girls or what have you. But equally, there are moments where I feel like we're just having a terse conversation, and because of my voice being the male voice, it can it can rattle a bit more. You say well, it can rattle also, a bit more. I think also when our marriage was in a much worse state... Um, and we used to argue horribly in front of them yeah. when they were little, I think that prints something in yeah, children. Yeah, I do. I mean, any child psychologist will tell you shouting and arguing in front of your child is 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 damaging. So it's important to say to people listening, this is not just, you know, dealing with anxiety in your children. Yes, these great steps that you're employing with Kiki, they, they're very hard to apply to someone like Maddie. Yeah, no, what I was wanting to say, though, is everybody that we've uh, seeked help from, professionals... CBT, um, homeopathy, uh, cognitive, all the different people. And honestly, we have been on a journey with Kiki. It hasn't been Mm. easy. The first things, it doesn't matter who I talk to, the speakmans, anyone, those are the first three things they ask you. How much are they sleeping? How regularly are they eating? How much are they exercising? The other thing is, is children are supposed to exercise for a couple of hours a day. They're just not, they're not doing no, that. this is all well and good. And this is all well and good. And you're right, you're them. right. And I can see you having success and I can see the malleability in a sense with Kiki that she can be positioned like this. There's a real crisis problem I feel sometimes when I look at how we can better help Maddie because Maddie doesn't want to put the tag anxiety on her emotions sometimes because she worries that that worries us. And she knows, she knows, and this is an interesting one, that we'll go into a sort of emergency, emotional emergency scenario of trying to help and rescue. When she's often said to us, I don't want to be rescued, Mum. I want to be left on my own. I suppose why I started with Kiki is because if I had my time again, Mm. I would have paid more attention to those things with Maddie, being stricter with it, really. So if you've got a young tween coming up with this anxiety, especially with girls, with your periods and all of that, things really Mm. shift as much as you can while you've still got some control just try and really keep a, a, a firm hand on that and then of course there's a whole load of mm. other stuff you have to deal with but try and get those that all the professionals we've seeked help from have all told me that get that sorted first and then and then move on now you're right with Maddie she has a different sort of well, let's listen to her. Let's well, listen let's, to her. Let's have a listen to her because one of the interesting things that comes out of I've done a bit of work with Anxiety UK, the charity, and mm-hmm. um, it, it surprised me when I realised that conditions or, or, or states of mind or mental health conditions, if you like, such as OCD, etc., are considered part uh, have a component of the anxiety illness, if you like, oh, yeah, the illness of, of anxiety. Do, yeah. You know, so you know, I think it's important to stress that 
anxiety in a child isn't just about a child sitting in a corner worrying. No. It's also about a child that's obsessively cleaning. Could be anything. Oh, God, depression. hurting themselves yeah. or anything like that. So let's have a listen to, uh, to Maddie. She, um, she said, Dad, I'm a bit anxious about this. <laughs> Did she? I said, oh, why? She said, I, I, I don't know if I can, I don't know if what I'm supposed to say. So well, you're just supposed to tell us what you feel about anxiety. Um, yeah, I think this generation is quite an anxious one because I feel like more than any other generation, we're, we're aware of everything that's going on in the world all the time. And it's, it's not the truth, but it seems to be that the only stuff going on in the world is negative or stuff to worry about. Um, and then when you're not watching the news and you're not seeing newspaper articles, it's all over social media. So I feel like this generation, we're always... Also kind of, we feel like we're always made to be anxious because it's like we're being given our future by like past generations um, that they've messed up and then we are left to try and fix it. But we're we're also told that it's not like we won't be able to fix it and it's not reversible. So I feel like this generation feels like there's quite a lot of pressure on them. Therefore, there is a lot of anxiety. Um, and I think that the news should be more positive because, yeah, there is a lot of bad stuff going on in the world, but there surely are some positives that they could talk about because... It does just, I mean, people wouldn't think it, but it does just get you down. Like, I, loads of my friends, those people I know, they're just like, oh, what is the actual point? Like, coronavirus is out, apparently we're all going to catch it and die. You know, climate change is a problem, we're not going to make it to a certain age. All of this, and it, it kind of just does make us all feel a bit hopeless and just a bit like, what's the point? Let's just give up. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, I do think anxiety is a big problem with this generation but it's not like anxiety hasn't always been a problem it's just I think that because we're so because we're able to just know what's going on all the time we're so conscious of everything that that's why we're so anxious about everything um so I just think yeah obviously you're gonna have to talk about the negative news in the world but it wouldn't hurt to bring some positivity to it as well because it does just make us all feel a bit um pathetic <laughs> um and I think it's quite hard for parents to deal with that because all of the stuff we're getting anxious about is coming from the world you know what I mean it's like you can't really stop us from going on social media you can't stop us from seeing the news you can't stop us from talking to other people about what's going on in the world and those are all this kind of stuff that creates anxiety I mean I get anxious I don't have anxiety but everybody gets anxious do you know what I mean um but I, I I have quite a lot of anxiety about the climate and you know our futures because we are just made to feel like there isn't a future for us and the only people that can fix our future are us um and we don't really know how to do that so I have a lot of anxiety about that um and then there's you know little things like I don't know going to a class for the first time you get anxious about that but I definitely I, I'm not a very anxious person and I get very anxious about all of this kind of stuff so I can't imagine with people that do actually struggle with anxiety I can't imagine how they're dealing with it because sometimes I'm sat there and I'm just like what are we gonna do <laughs> the world is just falling apart and whenever I say that to like an adult or something they're like well the world's always been falling apart there's always been stuff going on and I'm like yeah but it just seems to feel like only bad stuff is happening and the bad stuff that's happening is pretty serious. Um, and it's very it's very easy to just go, oh, well, people have always been saying the world would end. People always say that climate change is a problem, da, 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 da. But there is a point where it does actually become a problem and I think that it is now and that's, that's why people are so anxious. Um, yeah. I thought there was a really important distinction there, which I thought she articulated brilliantly, which is the difference between feeling anxious and having anxiety. Mm, mm. And I think that's a very, it's a very, it's a very sort of mm. slight distinction, but I think it's a key one because she's absolutely right. You can't remove from any child's experience or any parent's experience mm. of being a parent of children and teenagers feeling anxious mm. the moment it's your part, child goes a, to university. Yeah, it's, yeah. An, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a re, it's just another exactly. emotion. It's and, a feeling. And I think that sort, of, that sort of experiential anxiety where, and let's face it, between the ages of zero 
and 21, you're doing things for the first time. There's so many first-time moments, aren't mm. there? But I think we're talking more about when, you're an- when yeah. your anxiety, when, it, when it's overwhelming, yeah, when yeah, it's yeah. stopping you from engaging in the world. And I think that's where to. it's got to many times yeah. with Kiki. And I think it's interesting when I look back, I feel for Izzy that she... Because, again, you know, the component of coming from a split home must have been doubly difficult for her because, yeah. of course, she will have been... Well, she's articulated the fact that a great deal of her anxiety, and this is an interesting point for the listener, if you've got... If you're a blended family, there's deep anxiety for a child from a broken home. Just an anxiety surrounding who does one belong to? Who is one loyal to? How does one maintain that loyalty? And so I think it's really important to keep that sort of stepchild in the room and our stepchildren's experience is quite a different one, isn't it? You know, so anxiety can come from all sorts of different sources. But it's interesting to hear that, yeah, like Maddie says, there's enough going on in the world that would that would shred the nerves of anyone. Yeah, I mean, we we talk about that as adults, don't we? Yeah. God, you can't. And the rolling news and all of this, I mean, mm. we were talking about this at work this morning. It's just we're all, our minds are all blown. Yeah. By, by the over-dramatisation of everything that's going Absolutely. on. You know, the news-hungry world. Now, we are feeling that as adults. Our children are all feeling that. Yeah. It's no surprise that there seems to be this massive increase in anxiety, you know, with anxiety within our children. No surprise. Right, so let's hear from the boys' point of view, our lovely Carlitos. You know what? Something else that really helps whilst you're finding that is talking. The birdcage, my birdcage in my chest has calmed down a bit from just talking. Well, that's what I found with Kiki. Um, what what really worked for us that I, we were advised with a, by a, from a counsellor was to, because she was feeling anxious all the time and it was overwhelming her all the time, but it was inexplicable. Mm. She couldn't say why. And she'd say, the most frustrating thing is, Mum, when people say, but you must know what it is. Oh. What is it? Because it is inexplicable. Yeah. So... Uh, best bit of advice we got is that every day at a certain time, when she was much younger, it was called worry time. Now it's just connect time because yeah, yeah. she's older. Worry time. And that worry time would happen at four o'clock, a time where I could absolutely sit down and listen. And she would tell me what her worries were and then we'd put it away and that would be it. And that really, really helped for a while. And it's quite interesting because what happens is they're told to put their worries away until four o'clock right. and then quite That's often right. it would get to four o'clock and they've forgotten what they were yeah yeah clever yeah so yeah. it's a really nice little technique that if any if any of you i'll tell you one of the it. worst phrases as well to use that adults used to use a lot is you know just get over it just yeah. get over it no oh, oh come on just no. get over it and doesn't it's just work like, like that you know what i can't doesn't work like that okay carlitos you know i have experienced anxiety and i don't think that there's anyone who hasn't at some point um anxiety is a very difficult thing to talk about and can often be a fear of being judged or you know waiting for something bad to happen or just like general nervousness like someone like being nervous about something um and it varies really depending on the person and it can be really mild or really extreme um there's little things that i do that help me cope with feelings of anxiety and one of them is listening to music because it's something that i enjoy and it just like puts my mind at ease so i just play my favorite playlist um maybe try to do anything that can that you enjoy that you can that can like take you out of the moment whenever you're feeling anxious I think just having someone to talk to and knowing that there's that, you know, like safe space in a parent maybe is also soothing and calming. I think parents could open themselves up and say, you know, subtly, you know, do you want to talk about anything? And I think a good thing for parents to try as well is to also share a time when maybe they maybe have felt anxious and how it affected them so that the child doesn't feel, you know, alone and kind of ostracised almost in the situation, so that they have someone to kind of go through it with. We lost him there. But, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, can I just say, I mean, the thing that he's just said there, which I think is really useful, um, is, you know, talking to your parents about a moment where they felt something similar and how they got over it. I think we, we, inadvertently, I'm trying to do that with Kiki, where I have my own fears and concerns and social anxieties, say, 
And I try to almost amplify and advertise for myself to get over those in my own ways and then sort of show her that it's achievable and it's attainable and that if you overcome that initial fear, you know, the, the reward is so much nicer, you're part of a nice event, you're with nice people, all those worst feelings haven't come true. I mean, it is the fear. I mean, anxiety mm. is based upon fear. Mm. It's fear. I mean, and our, you know, the more troubling times have been when Kiki have said, said things like, I, it's nothing specific. I just have this feeling of fear. I think that's what's really hard as a parent. Yeah, it's really, really hard. And the difficult thing that I found is to control myself from to keep on asking, is it mm. this? Is it that? Is it this? Could it be this? Could it be that? I mean, I've said this before in this um, series, a, a technique that works a lot for us as parents is sometimes we just know when the girls can't say something, mm. so we get them to text it to us. It's amazing. It's an amazing little tool yeah, that, yeah, yeah. and they will they will say stuff that there's just no way in a million years. It's very very hard when you look at a child directly in the eyes and say, you know, what's going on? What's yeah, yeah. they they hate it? They're going to run a mile from you. Sometimes writing it down, um, but I just do think it's really important. Again, I've learned this from various professionals that that you that you say, you know, I hear that that must be very difficult. That sounds like that would be really tough. I can imagine that you're finding that even if you don't, even if you think it's a really small thing, mm. is to never never belittle that. Because I think as parents, what, that's what we all want, isn't it? We just want to get inside their head mm. and just find out what it is that's worrying them. It's so frustrating. But you do have to be patient. If you just keep asking them over and over again, they will pull away and pull away and pull away. And some of their shit, they've got to work out themselves. Mm. Some of it they really, really need us for. And it's just a minefield trying to work out which one it is. I think we've done a really, really detailed journey through all the causes and some of the potential solutions. But the, the, the biggest source of anxiety that I don't even know how you resolve this. I remember at the age of seven asking my mum, what was a pension and how do I do one? How do I do a pension? If you were worried how you were going to cope with that. It worried me to death, the whole concept. I haven't got a pension. Still haven't. So how did she answer that? I'm interested. Oh, my God. I don't think she knew what a pension was. So she didn't say, oh, don't be so silly. Oh, no, 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 there was nothing. I don't remember. I don't remember the answer. I just remember <laughs> the fear. So the fear must have outweighed whatever answer she because, gave. And, and where, you know, you've only heard somebody, an adult, worrying about that. Yeah. And where we've gone wrong, definitely, we've shown them too many, too many worries. We've talked about stuff. We def. I mean, I think you were brought up with very, very little boundaries. You I know, think you were too. You know, you know, and and so was I in, <laughs> in a different way. Yeah. But I think in different ways we were. But I think um, sometimes we've struggled with what is the right stuff oh, to agree. talk about. And I think sometimes stuff that we talk about, even though our kids go, yeah, no, I'm fine with that. Inside it goes in and it frightens them. What movies you show them when they're young, all these things okay. do do and we've talked about this in a previous podcast, they're unsettling. And yeah. Kiki was unsettled at a very young age by all sorts of different things. Mm. And we're still trying to unravel that now. Did we do the 12. chat about not showing your kids certain films? Yes, we did, we didn't did. we? Yeah, I mean, I do. T I, I, I guess I have to take responsibility. Though. I mean, at the end of the day, listener, you just have to look at yourself in the mirror and you have to ask yourself one big, big question, which is how responsible am I for the anxiety of my child. And then, and often the answer is you're not. Often it's way beyond us and it's something that we cannot fathom and that we've done our very best. And just sometimes the, you know, outside influences, you know, overwhelm our household. Mm. Sometimes people are just born that way with an anxious, you know, with a predilection towards anxiety, depression. But the thing is, the only thing you can do is keep trying to have an open line of communication. As we get to the end of this, the anxiety is increasing again because I'm realising that. I, I, I don't know. I look at myself in the mirror and I feel entirely responsible. I know, but that's, I think, I think, Often I, good I parents anxious. do, don't they? Good parents blame themselves for everything. But we don't need to blame ourselves for everything. We've done a good mm. job in lots of ways and other ways. If we had our time again, we'd change certain things that we did. But everything that we've done has been with good intention. It's just mm. some of the things haven't been right. Mm. But a lot of what's gone on has been outside of our control, just like so many parents. Let's well, suppose we can't all hold ourselves responsible for coronavirus, can we? No, we cannot. No. 
now, before we record each episode of our podcast, we ask you to get involved on social media. Hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to get in touch on our Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and Family. On Twitter, at Nadia Sawala. And if you're a little bit scared of Nadia and you're a little <laughs> bit worried that she might tell you off, you can always come to lovely, cuddly old me <laughs> at, at, on Instagram at Mark underscore Adderley. A-double-D-E-R-L-E-Y. Okay, so let's have a little look-see at some of our comments from listeners. Okay, Terry42 from Port Slade. My 17-year-old son has been suffering with anxiety for the last couple of years. It seems that this started when me and his mother separated and later divorced. Looking back now, I can see that at times I wasn't as emotionally available during the breakup and at the start of his symptoms, I confronted him as I thought his anxiety was a result of experimenting with drugs. He swears that he hasn't been taking drugs and I do trust him. I also feel that in confronting him, I've damaged the trust between us. He doesn't really talk to me about how he feels. He won't go to see the doctor, doesn't want to take medication or talk to a therapist. His symptoms, as of today, mean that he's finding it harder to leave the house and stays in most days if he's not going to school. I really want to help him, but I feel completely lost for advice. What would you do in my situation? Oh my God, Terry, I so feel for you on this. And this is what so many parents I talk to say, that we all have this terrible fear that if we question them in a certain way Mm. or suggest anything or ask them anything about drugs or drink or whatever, that they won't talk to us at all. I know, it's tricky that one, isn't it? And and I, I literally don't know what to say to you about that because that's exactly what I feel. Well, yeah. And I, it, it's such an imponderably irresolvable, impossible yeah. question. Sorry, so many ims, ires, and yeah. But it was it. I I sometimes find myself standing still in the middle of the kitchen, holding a cup of coffee that I've drunk, staring out at the squirrels, thinking, "God, they've got my nuts." <laughs> and I often stand there and I think to myself, "I can't ask them anything, really, because I'm yeah. worried." If I ask anything, anything they're going to get so close upset. to the bone yeah. or is, is vaguely on target, they're going to just scurry for cover, just like the squirrel with my mm. nose. I, I really, really sympathise. It's hit the nail on the head there. I think we're so many of us like... Now, somebody could say, well, I would just ask anyone. Yeah, I mean, I can ask. I'm not scared to ask. I'm not scared to scream and shout. I'm not scared to demand. I'm not scared to plead. I'm not scared to... But the thing is... It doesn't get you anywhere. My first instinct is to say... You, the worst thing is when they retract yes. back into their shell and they don't tell you stuff. Generally, I, I mean, this sounds awful, but it's a little bit like with a pet. Generally, you can lead with their stomach sometimes. I find I can lead them out of their lair, the teen's lair of emotional, and I'm not diminishing it, but let's just sort of caricature it for a moment, by saying we're going to eat at whatever their favourite place is. And generally, they move favourably towards you. You know, it might be McDonald's, it might be Subway, it might yeah. be wherever. We'd, you know, Kiki well, loves Subway. Well, make your favourite thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, you take them out, or it could be fish and chips, you take them out and you give them that because in the process of you giving them something nice like that, you've got the opportunity to kind of get in there and work with them. But it's a what form a of bribery. Well, dad? Well, bribery. Bri- look, you've got to recognise bribery is part of the equation. You've got to basically offer them all sorts of PS4 games. You've got to offer them time with them to play with them so that they get sick of you and they push you out. You've got to say, here's tickets to go and see Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Anything. Time is the best thing. Time is good. Time is like, um, our girls love to just sit and really look through photographs. Mm. And again, if sometimes if you're doing something else with them, the convers- I know what you're saying, like you take them out, yeah. you take them away from themselves and some other conversation yeah. will come up. You know, if they're younger, really play something with them. Like you say, if you if they play on the video game, sit and play with them and then they're not looking. What can you think of where you're not looking directly into their face demanding to know something about mm. them? We don't like that as adults. Why would we think teenagers would? I'd like to know what MI5 and all the greatest minds in the country's uh, ideas would be for cracking the resolute teenager that refuses to talk. Talk, yeah. And just says, I can't think I'm of a, fine. I can't I'm think fine. of a thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine, Mum. You're not what fine. What do you mean? I am fine. Well, you don't look all right. What do you mean I don't look all right? Are you saying I don't look nice? No, you do look nice, but honestly, me and your dad have noticed. You can just sense You seem it. to be just wandering around yeah. a bit. You see, you look a bit lost, sweetie. There's an air Are in the house. Are you all right, darling? Yeah. That, that, I'm fine. 
I'm totally fine. What can you say? Do you want to have a chat? No. Well, this is what, this is what, harking back to what I was talking about earlier. You just have to have the patience to just wait because when they say fine, they're actually saying, shut up, I'm not going to tell you anything. That's the translation from teenage talk to English is shut up. But that I'm means they call all the bloody shots. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck? We can't do anything. You can't force them to tell you we what's going on in their hearts and do minds. Anything. <laughs> and if you threaten to throw them out, they'll go, yeah, lovely, thanks. Okay, this is from Lorraine43 in Derry. When I was younger, maybe eight or nine, I can remember thinking that my mother is an anxious person. God, I know how you feel, Lorraine. She used to send me on errands that were a bit unusual. Like, for example, when she sent me out to get the food shopping one day because she couldn't face the fluorescent lighting in the shop. As I grew up and became an adult, my mother grew more and more anxious and depressed. Now, recently, she has passed. Months later, my 13-year-old said to me that she thinks I'm an anxious parent. I tried to explain as best I could about grief and anxiety in a way she could understand, but at the back of my mind, I can't shake the worry that anxiety and depression in my family is being passed from generation to generation and none of us are dealing with it. I want to go to group therapy with my daughter. Do you think this is a good idea? Is she too young? And what would you do? A quick answer to that is, it's a brilliant idea. She's not too young. There's all sorts of family mediation services that you can go to. Mm. And I would precisely recommend that you do something like that. Perhaps going just yourself and her, and then if there are other members of the family, mm. enlarging it to, to... You've been to, into therapy. I've, I won't say which child, but with... Uh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And, and just sometimes you can get a real blockage with your child, can't you? And why not have somebody that can mediate? Yeah. And it's that safety. I think there's real importance in having a safe space where the child feels absolutely able to say something without it sort of having any consequences at all, in a sense. But equally, it might be that in order to do this, you might need to do this, but also encourage your child at a young age to go to a specialised child psychologist or therapist who will be able to look after them. I mean, I know I'm not talking out of turn that Izzy, I know many, many years ago when she was struggling with essentially me and her mother's divorce, she requested to see a therapist on her own and she said it helped her immeasurably. Mm. So, you know, these things can help, but they really yeah. can when you get into extreme situations like that. Going back to the point about can it be inherited, this is a fascinating subject for me. I mean, I'm of the opinion that likewise alcoholism and all these kind of things can run in families. But I don't think they run without any opportunity or capacity to stop or change. Mm. I think it is about someone being brave enough and willing enough to stop. And as I said a, bit, a minute ago, I was saying it lightheartedly, but look in the mirror and go, where am I doing things here that aren't entirely causing this, but are part of the problem? And you can start to... And also, don't try and change everything. Just chip away a little bit of it. That's it for this episode of Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you'd like to comment on any of the topics we've discussed today, we'd love you to get in touch. Use the hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Nadia Sawala. And on Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and family. And if you fancy getting in touch with me, it's at Mark underscore Adderley. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate and review. Tell your friends and get involved. And you can hear more episodes of Confessions of a Modern Parent on Global Player or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Ta-da! <laughs>